the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 400. Uh, I'm Paul Spain and my guest today is Scott Bartlett. Welcome along, Scott. Thanks, Paul. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Now, maybe you can fill in uh, listeners who are not quite sure where you fit into this world of uh, uh, technology in New, in New Zealand. Okay, well, I, I guess, uh, oh, God, where did we start? No, just a, just a geek um, who, who, who likes, playing with, uh, likes playing with businesses. So, yeah, I've been um, fortunate enough to uh, lead Cordia um, uh, for, for the past few years, and prior to that uh, was uh, leading the team at Orcon. Um, and uh, prior to that, I was uh, at school, you know. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've sort of been in the in the tech space, probably coming from more that that internet service provider land up through into sort of now Internet of Things excites me, cybersecurity, um, and sort of you know industrial applications and that sort of stuff. But uh, in the meantime, sort of playing dangerously with things at home as well. Oh, that's cool. Well, looking forward to chatting through uh, some of that and to hear. A uh, bit of an update on what's happening in the world of Cordia because you've got your fingers in a, in a fair few pies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but let, let let's jump in. Lots of uh, lots of news and, and things to talk about. Um, first up, heard news through from uh, Network for Learning that uh, they've they've done some work in rolling out uh, what what they're referring to as a safer and smarter uh, internet with the managed network uh, up. Upgrade now is Cordia involved in this in some way as as well? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, look, I'm, I'm familiar with the project, mm. Um, mm. and I, I know uh, Larry, who's the CEO at Infrel, reasonably well. We used to work together. Um, he's a really talented guy, and and it, it's, it sort of seems to me that um, you know I kind of always think of Network for Learning almost as one of this country's largest ISPs that no one's ever heard of. You know, the, obviously they're looking after the schools networks. But sitting behind that is like eight hundred thousand odd students on. You know, it, it's they're, they're a big service provider. That's in, true in their own yeah, right. And yeah. um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the project, and I think it's uh, it's definitely very timely as we're starting to see, uh, you know, you know, uh, obviously more demand for bandwidth and stuff happening mm. with schools, mm. but also the security elements um, need to be tightened up for for a range of our institutions and businesses. Absolutely, and I mean, cybersecurity is is an ongoing challenge for New Zealand as a country, and and for you know, all of our organisations through to individuals in their homes, right? And you know, yeah. la- last week, yeah, you know, I think I did three interviews across um, you know, radio and TV, and all of them were in some some way related to a form of cybersecurity, um, which I you know I don't think that's probably ever 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 happened for me before. But uh, you know, one of them was uh, a school that had got uh, that had got you know hit with uh, that got cryptoed basically, and uh, you know ransomware, and and we're uh, being asked to pay out a ransom now. I've been out of town the, the last few days. I haven't seen any more coverage on mm. uh, on that particular uh, incident. But you know, it's it's a reminder that you know definitely our schools need to take this stuff seriously. Our businesses and our institutions need to really sort of step up from a cybersecurity perspective. And of course, there's so many aspects to that from. You know, education, which you'd kind of think schools might be, you know, somewhat somewhat capable of, but you know, we all have our different opinions on, uh, you know, how good our school system yeah. uh, is in uh, in terms of meeting meeting the needs of our, uh, uh, you know, next next uh, generation. And so you've got that aspect, and then you know you've obviously got the technology pieces. So yeah, certainly uh, you know pleasing uh, you know for me to see Network for Learning sort of uh, you know stepping up their 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 technologies and uh, you know seeing what they can can do to move things forward. I noticed one of the things that they're uh, they're working to deal with is to uh, uh, stop students from uh-huh. firing up their own VPNs to sort of uh, yeah. you know bypass some of the uh, uh, security uh, mech- mechanisms that. The, the schools and network for learning might have in place. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, let us know who those kids are because I've, I've boy, do I have a 
really well-paying job for them in cybersecurity. But, you know, I actually think we've got a really good advantage in New Zealand. NFRL is actually a great initiative, I think. Um, you know, if you think about your average school, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like a small to medium size business um they don't usually have the resources to tackle a complex subject like cyber and uh through actually having infrarel uh network for learning sitting over the top of that network providing a managed layer over it um, for the betterment of all it gives us a, a you know a, a really decent chance of being able to um you know solve this problem um you know uh we often think about, and you mentioned some of the examples, you know, we've also seen the issues with the DHBs um, uh, recently. So, you know, health records and, and public safety and crypto locking businesses and phishing scams and you name it, the list just goes on. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the potential social impact of kids being exposed to, um, you know, uh, crooks and other nasties on the internet you know mm. th- that needs to be taken really seriously so I think it's a fantastic project they're absolutely on the right track I know they're using a a, um, a reputable vendor in the background to support this which I think is Fortinet Fortinet yeah. and um, yeah. uh, we use them as well uh, they're, they're, they're pretty much right up there at a global spec so um, uh, but yeah if there are uh, kids that have got a uh, who have managed to hack their way out uh, <laughs> then uh, you know return to the path of good train these people up New Zealand needs them because they're in short supply absolutely yeah but that's it's been uh, it's been one of the challenges hasn't it is having these uh, having yeah enough uh, experts from a cybersecurity perspective so uh, yeah no good good thinking now uh, also in the in the media Android 9 Pi or Android P uh, as as it was uh, was known has uh, has landed today, mm. starting to uh, yeah fire out onto uh, onto onto phones. So those that have got uh, Google Pixel phones, then you know, of course they're right at the right at the front of the queue. Uh, but there have been a, a range of other handsets that have had ac- access to and- Android uh, P through the beta process. So uh, Google have highlighted um, Sony, Xiaomi. Uh, HMD Global, which is the the Nokia handsets, uh, Oppo, Vivo, uh, OnePlus, and an essential that uh, uh, those phones that have uh, been on that that list with access to the beta will be able to get access to uh, Android now sometime between sort of now and now and Christmas. So it's that usual sort of Android story that some of these things will take a little while. Although uh, you know we've got a number of these uh, Android One phones that uh, tend to get updates. Yeah. You know, very very quickly uh, now. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's. I mean, this is a good update with some good capabilities. You were looking at a beta of it uh, la- last week. What were the things that stood out to, yeah, I had to a, you? I had a brief play. Yeah. Um, I mean, every time there's a major release on on Android, I always get hungry um, thinking about the the names. Um, pie, yeah, that's that's nice. I like a nice pie. You can't eat your iPhone, can no, you? No, you can't. I don't know if I want to. There's some nasties in there. But um, uh, look, I, I thought uh, look, generally my my takeouts from just having a play with it is um, some of the usability improvements were looking really slick. Mm. Um, some changes around the home button and how that's managed and and other bits and pieces. Um, uh, I think importantly, uh, you know. Getting the Android platform to lift its game on security and 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 some of those other associated. I mean, not to dwell too much on security, but it is, as you pointed out, uh, sort of an ever-present subject at the moment. And particularly when we see major releases come out, um, you you really do expect to see um, these operating systems to just go to that next layer of protectionism. And and uh, Apple sort of always had the jump on on the Android ecosystem when it comes to 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 having you know. Uh, Inverted commas safer devices. Um, yeah, I think it's been easier to have confidence in a in a iPhone because of the way Apple have rolled out their you know their, their security updates. And I mean, there's, there's probably a, you know a, a range of different things that are sort of you know would consider there, but certainly the regularity of updates has has been part of that. The, yeah. Although that's that's uh, that's improving, right? So it is, and you know it it, it needs to. Frankly, mm-hmm. um, but so I mean that that's that's an important element. I think well, you're always going to have that that issue you, you touched on, uh, where you've got that separation between the software engineering and the hardware engineering. There are the haves and the have-nots when it comes to who gets these updates and when can you get them, and 
you know, uh, some people just will never get the ability to update their phones. Um, uh, and that's, yeah, that's would, just life in the Android world. But that happens on iPhone as well. Yeah, that's not that's uh, it's not so good. I saw somebody that just had a new new phone uh, in the last few days, and it was running Android, you know, seven point whatever. Um, and I thought, oh, you're kidding. This is yeah, you know, it's a new phone. It's not you know running an, even Android eight point but what was pleasing, and this this was a Motorola, was that it was getting regular uh, security updates. Mm. So, you know, th- that is becoming much more normal, I think, on Android. That uh, a lot more phones are getting updates, even if they're not getting them every month. They're they're, they're flowing through every, mm. you know, two or three months, and that's really quite different to where we were. Yeah, even eighteen months ago. So, um, yeah, we're we're seeing some improvements on that front, and you know, of course, yeah. Android nine brings some you know some nice usability things. Uh, one one of the things that both Apple and, and Google have have jumped into uh, also is what Google are calling the digital well being features. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, stuff being reported back, how much time you're spending in different apps, and even be able to put a put a timer on an app in terms of uh, you know time limits for for using using things. Yeah, sometimes you don't want to know these things uh, <laughs> because uh, you you might detect how unbalanced your life is. Um, you know, the I think it's important though. You know, uh, there is uh, in the whole you know uh, there's a very important social aspect to technology, which I think mm. is only starting to become more apparent and more topical now. Mm. Um, where uh, there's this, I always remember this photo, and um, it, it was like the difference between a photo taken of people in St. Peter's Square in Rome. Then, have you seen this photo? It's like a photo taken in 2007, um, and everyone's sort of looking up, waiting yes. for the Pope to come out. Yeah. And then there's this um, photo taken in 2011, like four years later, and everyone's holding up a phone. Holding up a phone. Um, yeah. Like thousands, tens of thousands of people. Um, <laughs> you know, what's happened in our society that's forced everyone to now suddenly do this? And I think that uh, we're seeing. Uh, instances where young people not just young people actually but a lot of people are starting to get addiction Mm. um and uh you know you you can't fix what you can't see sometimes so Mm. i think Mm. that you know a little bit more awareness um is good but what comes next do we put people in in android jail if they've spent too much time on that i don't know well i'd be interested to see some actually mass yeah, mass reporting of stats on this, right? So, you know, we've got, you know, I've been uh, yeah, looking at some of that within uh, the iOS side as well because in iOS 12, this, you know, tracking how much time you spend in different apps and, you know, mm. I think it even goes down now to within certain websites. So, you know, if you spend a lot of time on a particular website, it's going to report and sort of highlight, look, you've, yeah. you know, spent spent too long on, well, yeah. too long, uh, I guess, you know, that's all relative, but you spend a lot of time on, on a particular mm. site. Um. So yeah, it'd be really interesting if if Google and Apple sort of you know come out and say, well, across the world there's you know X trillion hours <laughs> spent doing I don't know visiting these websites or you know within these apps, and when we break that down, you know per person, these are the different extremes, and so it would be pretty pretty interesting to I think, I think to see. Be, it might shock us a little bit. Yeah, I think they'd be pretty uh, nervous about doing that stuff because they they won't they may not want to reveal how much they know about what we're actually doing. Um, we all know that they know, but sometimes ignorance is bliss. But, mm, mm. you know, there's actually been some studies done um, just here in, in New Zealand at Auckland University um, with PhD students um, doing some research on uh, people. That they called it hyper and hypo-connectivity. And so, like, with your hyper-connected, it's like you're, you're just constantly consuming digital data, like you're on your laptop, you're on your desktop you're on your phone you're on social media you're just you're just totally into the whole space mm. um and then when they get cut off there's like this uh quite physiological hypo connectivity uh, which which results where the anxiety goes up you know blood pressure goes up and you know pupil dilation changes and you know people actually have a physiological response to being cut off from from technology that's re- really interesting uh, which is why i enjoy Hopping on a plane without Wi-Fi because you get to just <laughs> <laughs> just disconnect, just, just just shut down for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, yeah, I wonder whether, and I don't know what they use. But I was just thinking, you know, smartwatch that can monitor a few bits and pieces would kind of be a, a useful element for 
for maybe some of those sorts of uh, measurements to, to work out whether you fall into that category. You could probably sort of self self check, couldn't you? If you're uh, you know you turn your phone off for a couple of hours and look at your watch and you know what is it what is it telling you about your uh, your science? <laughs> well, there's some I, I don't know the exact number, but there's some alarming uh, average. Uh, or you know, or mean the number of times people lift up their phone uh, or unlock their phone per day—it's mm. something quite ridiculous. Um, but you're talking about you know uh, connected smart devices like smartwatches and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, we've literally got these things on our bodies now. Um, not if you're in the US military. I see they banned them today. Um, oh, is this uh, prob- probably after? And I'm I'm wearing a, a, a Fitbit. Although, interestingly, since I've been on the Fitbit, I think it's the Versa. Um, Quite often, I'll, I'll be able to talk to people like yourself that are wearing an Apple Watch, and you know, I still have the Apple Watch. But um, um, yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to give this a bit of a, a good run, and I've had nobody that says, "Oh, tell me about the fit." But they said, yeah, they refer to it as a, a Apple Watch. Most people wouldn't don't realise because the Versus kind of got the the curvy edges yeah. and so on to it, and uh, everyone just actually assumes I'm I'm wearing the competitor's uh, product, which is interesting. But it was Fitbit that got. Uh, Got in trouble for releasing some of some of their data that basically revealed where military bases and were based on, you know, people's movements around these bases that were in, you know, un, unusual locations that they might have not wanted to really reveal, and even showing the, you know, where people walk around, say the perimeter yeah. of a particular, uh, uh, you know, military location. <laughs> so it's kind yeah, of, uh, it, it sort of defeats the whole scary. purpose of. Um of you know having a, having an army if your enemy knows exactly where you are at all times, but um, I mean I, I, I use I use this thing um, uh, for really two two functions. One is you know going for a run, um, which is which is awesome, mm. but and, and the other one is, is my is, is sort of my calendar. It gets me on track during the day. Yeah. And you think about that, like it knows where I have been at all times. Uh, it knows my heart rate. Uh, it knows um, where I'm who I'm meeting with, probably what I'm meeting them about. Um, it's got all my contact information. It's like a ridiculous amount of knowledge uh, about me, which actually I consider private, mm. uh, and yet I'm, I'm happy to consume it. I would not be happy to share it. Um, mm. Mm. So it's, it's a double-edged sword there. Certainly is. Um, now, on to a few, few other uh, topics. Well, we, we were sort of talking about um, phones there. Um, to start with anyway new phone that arrived uh, while I was away last week is the new um, Oppo which is their R15 Pro now um, we, we're just having a look at it now and um, look when it when it came in um, I thought oh well you know we've got an, another phone um, and there seem to be so many phones that get released from an Android uh, perspective um, how's its uh, how's its camera? Yeah, no, it just took a good photo of you there, mate. You're looking <laughs> looking sharp. Um, but they they just all seem to look so good now. Most of the ones that, that come across, and even some of the really low cost ones. And look, the R15 is is getting quite high up there in in terms of specifications. It doesn't have the um, the the top end. Um, of absolutely, you know, everything, but it's a you know very sort of slick looking phone. This sort of purple mm. um, shade on the background that sort of varies according to the light and how you hold it, and that sort of you know fades. Just looks really nice. It's quite sort of you know smooth and and uh, and curvy. Um, chunk bigger than your iPhone, uh, your iPhone ten there. Yeah, yeah. But, but pretty close. Mm. Um. Loads of RAM, six gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigs of storage, $900 phone. Um, and this is, Oppo with their phones, they seem to be the the closest sort of variant of uh, Android with the color OS to, to iOS. So, you know, if you're actually, you know, one of those who's who's decided to sort of, you know, try what a thing's like on the other side of the fence as, a, as an Apple user, um, they're probably one of the easiest to sort of uh, you know transition to uh, in in those regards. You've got your uh, your your um, you know app tray across the bottom, and uh, uh, you know you swipe down to uh, to do a search and uh, whatnot. Um, you know your your camera um, 
uh, Zoom and you know some of those bits and pieces are, are, are you know they, they mimic the uh, the iOS sort of variants reasonably uh, reasonably closely. And of course, when you're inside an Android app these days, if it's uh, you know Outlook has become very very popular uh, for doing email and calendaring and so on. And you know basically you can use that on either platform. Your office applications from a work perspective and you know, Facebook and Instagram and so on. Once you're actually inside the apps, the the differences sort of fade away, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I could fall in love with this thing. Um, I mean, Oppo, they've, they've actually, they've always actually produced a really good looking device. Mm. I mean, some of the, some of the Android devices out there, they're just ugly. <laughs> you know, they're just... Less and less though, I have to say. I think they're, 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 they're getting, you know, Better and better, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. And you look at this—you look at this device, and it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's nice in the hand. That I like that purple thing on the back. That is so cool. Um, and I'm—I must admit, I really do like a bezel-less screen. Um, mm-hmm. And they—they uh, they do that so well here, almost, almost better in some respects because it is wider but they're Mm, using mm. more of the real estate um, on the screen particularly around the top where it cuts in above the camera I think that's almost done in a better way than the iPhone because they actually take up a lot of that 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 upper space and it can get quite annoying Um, so no I I actually think that's that's a really nice device it's it's quite big Uh, it's it's a good size screen this still feels like a lot more screen area than an iPhone plus Mm, to me mm, Um, mm. Well, the and one of the, one of the things um, that I that I noticed around uh, it's not just the uh, the Oppo uh, Huawei do it as well as they come with a, um, a screen protector already yeah. on them and they come with a sort of a clear um, you know rubberized sort of case. So you know one of the things for me is uh, it's great having a really nice phone. But you do want to, in a lot of cases, protect it. So they've kind of ticked those uh, those boxes as well. Whereas if you've ever tried, and I, I think I maybe tried this once, to put a screen protector on a phone, um, you know, bubbles and all sorts. It's not a it's not an easy thing. So it's yeah. quite nice that they actually ship it with a with a screen protector on it. And if you don't want it, you can obviously just just tear it off anyway. Yeah, I wasn't good with the Duracell at school on my books, <laughs> and I'm not good with it on my phones. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, I uh, it's, it's important with the with the screen. I've, I've actually had a smashed screen on on an iPhone ten, um, and uh, I tell you, it is a very expensive mistake, um, and uh, uh, one I don't want to repeat. So, um, yeah, they're not yeah. so easy to re- repair these phones, and especially as we're we're moving, um, you know, into a larger and larger percentage of phones that are. Uh, you know, waterproof and dustproof to uh, to to some degree. You know, all of that, uh, all of those things play in. Uh, but yeah, it's a overall, it's a, it's a it's a really pretty uh, uh, reasonable phone. Um, those who are obviously in the market for this sort of stuff, worth going out, actually read the reviews in detail, go through all the specs if you if you're into that. Um, we don't have have um, you know time this week to sort of drill into all the all the numbers. But yeah, I think. Uh, one number is important is the price. You say nine hundred dollars. Yeah, about nine hundred dollars. So yeah, that's not that's not too bad. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty. It's still pretty, a lot of money. Pretty accessible. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. But that's uh, for a higher end device. That's what you're paying mm. uh, at least these days. At least. Yeah. Yep. And look, you've got Android eight point one on there. Android nine. You know, will will no doubt be uh, be coming in in, in due course. Um, also, um, this week. On the Android front, Samsung uh, Note 9 uh, apparently gets un- unveiled. Um, so uh, lots of lots of media tell us. Um, I can't quite remember what the uh, NDAI signed about some upcoming phone says. So is this uh, the one where they accidentally posted the? Uh, that's, uh, that's, yeah. oh, was it that? that? I think that was the local. It yeah, might have been so, the New Zealand uh, team. So Samsung somewhere within Samsung New I can Zealand say it, Paul, you, you, or, you, or their yeah. PR team. <laughs> I can say I had heard this. It's the, yeah. No, I thought they'd accidentally released a photo or a video. But yeah, uh, they leaked of, quite of a bit of, 9. 
yeah. quite a bit of info, apparently. Yeah. 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 Whoops. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you always wonder with those things whether they've, they've sort of just, pla- you know, pla- planned that to help with building a, a little bit of hype or not. Well, didn't um, it work well? We picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll ask somebody about that once, uh, uh, once, once it's all blown over. Um, but, yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting. So I, I'm sure that's going to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of attention for uh, uh, for Samsung. Also on the new gadget front, uh, now the, the, we haven't had a kind of a normal um, newsy show. Oh, I did cover a little bit of stuff last week, I guess, on the on the news front. Um, but I didn't haven't had a chance to sort of talk about the new MacBook Pro sort of in person. And uh, I've now been had that for. Um, uh, very soon after uh, after launch, thank you Apple for um, sending that across. And um, after I spent a bit of time with them getting the update on how you know, how much faster it is performance wise, and they'd highlighted that the 13 inch model about 100 percent faster than last year's model, and the 15 inch up to 70 percent faster, and just being blown away by the you know the, the numbers and thinking about well, you know if you're a, if you're a Creative professional or somebody that really needs that sort of you know grunt, um, then this is this is a pretty slick step up. Uh, it hit the news that actually there were some major performance issues with the uh, with the MacBook mm. Pro. So I got in touch with Apple to sort of say, hey, what's you know what's the story about this? And they uh, they initially said, look, we don't don't have any comment at this time. But pretty soon they came back and said, look, actually we've you know we we found. Uh, um, a bug, and they issued a firmware update that ad- addressed it. But the initial reports were basically saying that uh, you know there was a thermal, there was a heat issue uh, with the um, you know with the design of the new MacBook Pro, which sounded sort of pretty major. Um, so it was it was um, yeah, I'm sure uh, very very pleasing for all concerned on uh, Apple's design team that uh, you know there was a. a you know, some sort of a software issue there that they were able to address uh, very, very quickly. And uh, all the reports are actually these things, you know, perform like cut cats. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, a, I'm an Apple fanboy from way back. We're all getting older now. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at the, uh, the, sort of the the number, just the raw numbers that have been published on the new MacBook Pro, and it's pretty impressive. You know, you've got a, you know, a, a six-core uh, I think it's starting with a six core. Yeah, you know, on the fifteen inch, uh, on the fifteen inch, six core or quad core on the the thirteen inch, which is you know double what was available last year. Yeah, and so you know, you just got enormous amount of power, but these things are producing a lot of heat, uh, and you know, there's always going to be that trade off between making them look pretty and feel nice, and you know, uh, be thin enough, but then also not so over designed that they just get too hot uh, and. You can't really handle them, so yeah. Well, there is that challenge. If you, you know, if you're really wanting to do something hefty, then uh, you need to put it on a on a desk because uh, otherwise you, you can't wear it with shorts. You're yeah, you're yeah. gonna get some sore <laughs> sore legs. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> no, I and mean, I, I, look, I've uh, I've actually gone. I had a MacBook Pro and I moved to the MacBook, um, but mainly just for. Uh, I do quite a lot of travel, um, mm. and mm. so portability wise, it's it's fantastic, but. Mm. I think it's good to see that Apple are actually, um, you know, updating the hardware because they were getting a bit long in the truth, tooth and still are in some of their products, actually. It's sort of, here it's easy to be an armchair quarterback um, on Apple, but uh, it sort of feels like they sometimes they're pushing the boat out a bit far on how often they're doing some of the hardware refresh. Yeah, uh, well, there, I mean, there's still some products that are that are in market, like the Mac Mini, that are running, you know, really old um, Yeah. You know chips, but they're they're still selling them at you know not particularly cut price, uh, you know rates or anything. So. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if I, I think I got this right that I saw in their uh, results uh, just recently that uh, uh, Mac sales declined, um, uh, which you know I think they've already got a hefty, pretty decent market share, but uh, we haven't seen a decline in Mac sales for a very very long time in terms of Mac computer range and. Uh, uh, you do wonder if perhaps they need to tighten up their refresh cycle a bit, um, particularly in the design community. Um, you know, Apple has always attracted a lot of power users on on the design and uh, on the design side, um, mm, mm. and you know they they do they do have hefty requirements. Uh, these users, Ab- absolutely, yeah. And 
Look, I you know I think they they have talked about how they're how they're addressing that, and of course they they released the um, iMac Pro last year, so there's there's now a you know much more powerful iMac, and uh, you know now we've got the new MacBook Pros. One of the other things that uh, they talked about, and I haven't had a chance to sort of uh, drill in and um, um, you know get all of the the data on on just how much difference it it makes, is you can now get an external GPU. Uh, I think it's from um, Black Magic, Black Magic. Yeah. and this this you know really turns a MacBook into a into a incredibly powerful uh, graphic graphics workstation. And uh, look, that you know that's sort of a, a, a next level um, you know capability. And then you know there's still a new Mac Pro that's coming, but that's not not until next year. So yeah, I think you know Apple have certainly uh, addressed some of the criticisms there. I still think there's some you know some folks that just don't like the the MacBook Pro with its um, uh, you know USB C you know Thunderbolt uh, three connectivity because there's everything else has kind of gone away. Um, but I, I you know that was never a sort of a big deal for me because there are always ways of sort of you know docking when you really need that connectivity and um you know having the odd odd dongle yeah if you've got to run a whole lot of dongles off your off your macbook then that gets gets a little bit messy but you know look at my desk i've i've got um a, a phillips monitor that's got a usb c thunderbolt dock built into it so you basically just need one connection into your macbook it charges your mac yep. You've got Ethernet and USB and, you know, everything else basically running through that monitor. So it's actually got a, got a lot simpler and uh, Apple managed to get away without releasing, you know, their own uh, dock for the for the Mac. But they've got the, the benefits of it with these new monitors and some of the other docks on the market. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually, I'm an, I don't know, this is a bit geeky, but I'm a, I'm a USB-C Thunderbolt 3 fan. I think it's actually just great technology and if... And if you seriously need that much I/O or plugs ports on a laptop, then you probably don't need a laptop. <laughs> get a Mac, get an iMac, uh, or, or, or get something else. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just got a USB uh, C monitor. There aren't actually many of them out there at the moment, and got the LG one. It's a beautiful mm, screen. Mm, it's mm. it's just it's 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 a delight. But it charges the. It's awesome, and it's like it's like living in the future. It both charges the laptop and it's giving me usb plugs on the back of the monitor i can plug it's, into it's, and it's running at 4k and it's a delight, and hdr it? it's yeah. like yeah. well that's just one plug like if you some of us get a bit um crazy eyed on cable management i'm sort mm. of one of them mm. and uh mm. it's 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 beautiful yeah it's, <laughs> yeah yeah very tidy isn't it so um no that's uh, that's pleasing so look apple seem to be going in a good direction uh from a financial perspective as well so uh, one one trillion dollar uh, share price, first company in history. Uh, in terms of their market cap, I think they hit on. Uh, it would have been Friday New Zealand times, Thursday in the in the US, and you know, of course, that that's generated a whole lot of discussion as well, right? Like, you know, where do Apple go from from here? Still, the very large majority of their their uh, earnings are, are coming from the iPhone, and so. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of debate there. Look, I've uh, I've not bought. I've, in fact, I've never owned. I don't think any Apple uh, Apple shares. Although I've you know dabbled in investing in in you know a number of the other uh, tech companies and uh, sort of you know kicked myself, of course, from not 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 mm-hmm. jumping in in those uh, uh, earlier days before uh, uh, the iPod and so on, when you know their numbers just started moving up and up and up and up and up and up. Uh, and now I'm sort of thinking, well, I I can see them, you know, going straight past a billion and and you know at some stage uh, a trillion, sorry, and you know maybe becoming a two trillion dollar company at at, at some point uh, in future because look, they just don't seem to be they don't seem to be slowing down. Uh, massive competition from Android, yet Apple don't seem to have a a challenge with uh, with profitability stacks, you know, like. Well, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I think it's over over 200 billion sort of US dollars, sort of sitting yeah, about 240, I you think. know, yeah. s- sitting there in, in reserves. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to keep going. Yeah, I mean they will. I mean, you know, there's uh, 
it's like Doctor Evil got it wrong with the with the, with the little finger saying, you know, one billion dollars. <laughs> he should have said one trillion. He didn't have enough. He didn't have enough ambition. That yeah. guy. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of a totally arbitrary and meaningless thing to people. I think at the end of the day, any business creates value mm. if you care mm. deeply about your customers, you care mm. deeply about your product, mm. and and you stay true to your purpose. And uh, I, I think that. You know, Apple get a lot of slack in the post Jobs era. Where's the visionary? Where's the where's the bombastic entrepreneur? All that sort of stuff. Well, it's it's had its best years uh, in a lot of ways um, mm. uh, from a from a financial perspective. Mm. Um, uh, post Jobs, in some in some respects, um, it's become a little bit more disciplined. Um, it kind of grew up a bit, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's managed to continue to grow. Uh, even in markets which are slowing to grow, you know, mm, and, mm. and the smartphone market's pretty mature now. So it sort of feels to me still. I mean, I I, I like to think I'm uh, I'm wide eyed on on this one. I, I still think that when Apple turns its mind to something, it will end up being able to deliver something which is really special, and that's what matters at the end of the day. Mm. Um, they've definitely had some some misses, um, but then everyone does. You know, the the maps thing was like a whoops. Uh, Apple Maps is almost like a joke for how to get lost um, still actually and uh, you know uh, we thought they were going to do something with cars they obviously must have concluded that they weren't going to do it to the Apple standard so they pulled back um, probably smart um, and uh, uh, I think Siri she's, she's, she needs to go back to school a bit <laughs> she's got a few <laughs> things to learn but she'll get there um, yeah yeah and and Look, I think um, yeah, there are there's some quite interesting things around the um, the sort of captive audience that Apple has that that really allows them to succeed. Sometimes rather struggle, and the 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 watch is probably a, a good example or an example an example of that anyway. Where you know the the, the captive um, Apple fans. And, you know, it's a smaller percentage of iPhone users that have an Apple Watch. Um, but those that have gone down that track, um, you yeah, know, probably appreciate that it, you know, it's gone through a few iterations, it keeps improving, it's quite a um, it, uh, quite a reasonable sort of journey. And But if you look at over onto the, the Android side with, with Android Wear and then varying offerings from Samsung and Sony and you know a, a mix of other players it's 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 kind of ended up being sort of quite muddy waters and there isn't sort of one clear vendor to back and so it, it's meant that um, you know you just you don't have any one product that's really stood out in that area whereas yeah. Apple you know and I'm not not sure of the the numbers they didn't do a full breakdown in the and the the numbers they released, uh, you know, recently, but they seem to be making a lot of money out of uh, out of selling selling watches, right? It's it's, 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 yeah. a, it's, a, it's at least a billion dollar, uh, you know, business for them. I think so. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think what was what you're starting to see now with Apple is, um, yep, the users are hostages, but like it's like Stockholm syndrome yeah. on mass. <laughs> We're sort of happy to be, you know, we've fallen in love with the captors in some ways, but. Um, you know, it was interesting looking at their results, just the growth they're seeing and what they call their cloud or services business. Mm. And so this is revenue and sales that they're getting from um, people downloading apps, using Apple Pay, um, using iCloud, using, um, you know, uh, Apple Music. You know, all the sort of more, the things we actually use in our daily lives as opposed to the hardware. And, uh, you know, their growth quite in a, that is quite off a, the chart. Yeah, quite a big big chunk right yeah and i think it's, someone made the point that if uh, if apple's just their services uh uh revenues were a separate company mm, they'd mm. be dominating the fortune 500 so yeah. <laughs> um it, it's really clear that they've worked out how to monetize that ecosystem um it's no different really to to amazon with amazon prime um and and google with uh, with 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 play and other uh, sort of ecosystem or markets that they're creating and Google Pay, um, you know the banks don't like it. Um, yeah, the music I w- companies I w- don't I w- like it. I would love to know what that breakdown is and and you know exactly uh, you know what they earn off uh, off Apple Pay, but because their uh, their their customers tend to I'm sure spend 
and earn you know more you know well well above average. Uh, I, I imagine that's uh, that's you know panned out reasonably well for them in in terms of the banks that uh, have partnered with them. And of course, it's only a it's only a you know very small percentage at this at this stage because of whatever their their terms are. But uh, I'm sure I'm yeah. sure. Uh, that that's something that has the yeah, potential to to grow quite a lot over the years ahead as well. Yeah, I think so. We've you know it's small now, but uh, you know contactless payments are are the future to a, to a large extent. Maybe um, not so much in New Zealand though, because we've seen a number of retailers actually pull back, and they will now in some cases no longer take contactless payments. So yeah. Burger King was was the one, if I've remembered rightly, that. Uh, has has pulled back and no longer supports sort of you know tap to pay type stuff because the fee structure is is, is hurting them. That's right, but and we've also seen some of the financial institutions, some of the banks actually resist launching um, you know things like Apple Pay because mm-hmm. of how much money Apple gets from that transaction versus mm-hmm. traditionally the banks and Visa would get it, and so it's it's starting to upend the whole what is a very traditional market, um, and uh, so. You know, I think though there is going to be a point where, uh, if it's nice and easy for the user, they want to do it that way. Um, uh, you know, people may not like elements of it, but mm. there's going to be a new normal. And you know, you got Australia, and contactless is is actually everywhere. Like it is, New Zealand it? always prided itself on being ahead on things like FPOS. Like mm. we were like the we were like the cashless society of the future. Um, but now uh, we're a step back. We're probably a beginning to be a step back mm, yeah mm, mm. yeah we, do, we don't need to hear too much about the Aussies being ahead Scott so uh, <laughs> that's enough for that <laughs> good people um, but yeah no it's, it's it's really interesting times now a um, couple of other uh, things I wanted to touch on uh, quickly because we want to have some time to drill into uh, to Cordia uh, Walmart testing some uh, grocery picking robots and um, you know we've heard Amazon's results recently, and they, you know they're 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 doing incredibly well. Let's say, um, but you know I think their their online sales, you know, e-commerce. I think almost I think almost fifty percent of uh, e-commerce in Australia now is is with Amazon. But I I dropped into a Walmart store to uh, to uh, pick up a what was it a Buffalo Bills cap for a friend. Uh, well, I was in, uh, in upstate New York last week. Yes, because I'm not, I'm not quite such a, uh, a sports fan myself. But I ducked, ducked in, and you know, I was trying to, you know, get around some various places to try and find this cap for him. Anyway, in, into Walmart, and um, you know, the the big signs telling you where you can basically go and you know pick up your online orders. Uh, they seem to be, you know, really getting into varying forms of delivery. Um, so it's it's quite it's quite interesting to see, and and they've got stores you know everywhere. I mean, we think that there's a lot of you know warehouse stores or whatever in New Zealand, um, but our stores compared to their stores are, are tiny, mm. and they're certainly not as uh, as widespread as uh, as Walmart, which which is one of the the world's you know biggest companies. Uh, you know, already just as a traditional retailer. So, um, look, with, with, with Walmart starting to, uh, you know, get get right in and try and, uh, you know, I think compete even harder against Amazon. I think they announced a, a partnership with Microsoft on AI and, and other things recently. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of activity going on there. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how this progresses. And, of course, Amazon, whilst they're incredibly dominant in in the US, they just don't have that same sort of dominance in most other markets. I mean, they're they're strong uh, in other areas, but uh, you know, there's been discussions going on. You know, I guess this year between um, you know who's going to win out between sort of uh, Google Home, Google Assistant versus Amazon Alexa. And it does seem that the numbers have been pretty strong for Amazon in the U.S. market, uh, but they seem to be very much sort of flipped often in in other markets. So there's some, you know, there's there's still a lot to play out in the in these fronts, isn't there? There is. I mean, you know, the Walmart are essentially with all this robotics for, um, you know, essentially mechanicizing their their supply chain. Um, that's kind of what Amazon's been doing for a long time, mm. and so mm. what you're seeing is a traditional retail business. 
has obviously made the the come to the conclusion that they need to actually really follow these guys and follow fast, um, or they're just they're not going to be able to compete um, mm. at scale. Mm. And so, particularly actually, what all what Walmart are doing in the AI space is really interesting. Um, uh, I was up in uh, uh, the states a few months ago and actually had a chat with. Uh, the head of the AI program at Walmart and they've actually got some pretty scary um, but interesting um, (laughs) things planned for how they're going to be you know uh, in inverted commas improving the customer experience but um, you know what what we are going to see with 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 Amazon is uh, when it 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 tends to just drop on top of a market so what we saw with Australia because you can go on now, you can go mm. onto your laptop mm. right now mm. and order stuff from Amazon, but mm. there isn't a New Zealand Amazon experience. Um, some stuff might ship to New Zealand, a lot of stuff won't. Um, it and has even to come the Australian customs. experience is, is not that great just yet, right? Yeah, so it, it's when Amazon sort of commits to a market and then drops its whole blip on top of it. Mm. Um, mm. That's when they, you start to see uh, they get market gains with things, with some of their mm. peripheral things like Alexa and whatnot. I don't actually believe – I got asked this question the other day by a local retailer, um, an online retailer in New Zealand, quite a big one, and they're sort of saying, hey, you, do you think Amazon's going to come to New Zealand? And I don't, I don't think they will, um, you know, we, uh, unless there is a really good reason for them to come here. And that good reason would be that our local retailers haven't actually done enough to have a competitive – uh, to have a slick mm. enough offering yeah, for the market, it's in our, it's in our court, isn't it? And a lot of the technologies yeah. are, uh, if not broadly available, then then you know becoming so, right? So you know anyone can tap into AI and uh, you know robotics and so on. All all of these pieces, it's not exclusively the domain of uh, of no. Amazon, although they they you know obviously you know push some of these things, and uh, yeah. uh, you will continue to do so. Yeah, I mean obviously they're ahead, but you know you see you know organisations like Mighty Ape, um, for example, you know they've invested in this really cool machine robot, whatever, uh, which uh, it sounds a bit pedestrian, but it's really awesome to look at this thing. Mm. How it, uh, it it scans and detects the size of your object, and then cuts the box to neatly be exactly the right amount of size to reduce waste. Um, well, I wish Amazon would do that. They send stuff. I know. Big boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually it's a it's a total eco crime. But um, so there's a lot of technology out there for New Zealand businesses to embrace to change their businesses and make it better for customers. Mm-hmm. They've just got mm-hmm. to get out in the world and see it and invest in it. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not just our retailers; it's everything. You know, talk about Internet of Things, for example. There's mm-hmm. so much people can be changing the game with IoT. We've just got to wrap our heads around it. Yeah, yep. Now, um, new some new research has uh, has come through, where uh, basically they've had uh, had people interacting with with robots, and then you know one of the things that the the people are requested to do is to turn this robot off, uh, and but what the the robot does when it recognizes or you know it's it's programmed to to know that that step's coming is basically pleading for its life and saying don't turn me off i'm <laughs> you know i'm i'm really scared of the dark or whatever and uh apparently the uh, the robots uh, are very very successful in uh, in humanizing themselves so uh, um yeah a, a lot of people are actually swayed by this uh, um robotic manipulation well, yeah it's I mean, kind of scary well, it's also very believable. I mean, I don't know about you. I have very deep and meaningful conversations with um, uh, uh, our Labradoodle, um, uh, Cooper. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, humans, we, we personify things, right? We, yes. we, we We kind of almost need to. And, uh, you know, geez, it actually, there's this whole area of concern around um, uh, how effective AI will be able to be and ro- robots will be at manipulating us. Um, because it, if it can be programmed or can be taught to do something, and manipulation is a skill, ask any five-year-old, um, <laughs> then uh, you know this starts to really get really concerning. And actually, particularly when you see examples like Google was demonstrating their um, the next generation of their uh, assistant, mm-hmm. and it was like calling a restaurant. Uh, and having a natural language conversation with the person at the restaurant making a booking for tomorrow night. And the person on the other end had no idea they were talking to a robot. Um, and, you know, we yes. won't be able to tell 
So you, you uh, program in a little, real or not. a little bit of um, yeah, a, a, a little bit of trying to uh, uh, manipulate the person at the other end when they won't give you the table that you want or whatnot. That's right. Yeah, yeah they'll yeah. all be the best lawyers, and even if it doesn't look like a human, it will still beg for its life. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, quite quite fascinating. Um, now, one. Um, one other thing that I thought was really pleasing to hear is New Zealand gaming industry uh, revenue increased forty three percent over the last uh, over the last year. So we're you know we're still trucking up at a at a reasonable um, clip. Although it seems we're not seeing as many um, maybe newer firms that are that are taking a sort of a big slice in that space. So you know there's room to see more sort of um, startups in the in the uh, game development space here in New Zealand, but uh, still, still some you know pretty, pretty pleasing uh, export uh, numbers, and uh, I think we're talking about five hundred and fifty uh, full time jobs. So it's not a it's not a crazy big number, but it's still uh, it's still incredibly valuable for the country, and it can create a lot of wealth, irrespective of the number of jobs directly mm. associated with mm. can then support other jobs, right? So sometimes that five fifty is not the full number. Uh, you know, I, I say I have. Um, I shouldn't admit uh, how much, how many hours I may have spent playing balloons, um, <laughs> but it's awesome, awesomely addictive. Uh, and you know that was that was made right here in Auckland. Yeah, and, that's and right. And I think it's the number one app on iTunes Store, or it was um, mm, mm. Uh, balloons six, I think. So you know we, we've got the innovation, we've got the talent. Um, I think though, uh, what we do need to be is a bit more supportive. We need capital to fund some of these startups we need people that are prepared to actually give some of these people a buck to get mm. started mm. Um, help mentor them I think the government could chip in with with a bit of relief and subsidies and other support and, and also give make sure that we're giving all these really smart talented people a reason to do it here in paradise don't go offshore and do it you don't need to absolutely um, yeah you know I look at uh, Dean from Rocketworks and Dunedin uh, you know, uh, uh, He's just doing amazing uh, 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 game development down down in Dunedin. You sort of don't naturally think of Dunedin as being a place where the best games in the world are being developed from, but why not? Um, as long as you've got a good heater. Um, yeah. I yeah. just come back from the South Island today. Yeah, it might be a little bit colder, but uh, look, it's an incredible part of the, the country. And, um, you know, I think often you know, people coming into New Zealand, it's like, hey, you know, make sure you get to the South Island, right? And, yeah. Uh, We've got great connectivity around the country. There's, there's, you know, so, so, so many reasons uh, to to do this, and and we're well known globally for you know our creative uh, creative talents. And if we can do it in the filmmaking space, uh, look, we, we we should absolutely be doing it in the gaming space as well. And gaming is huge, man. I mean, it is it is bigger than the movie industry. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Fortnite didn't exist that long ago. Um, and it's I don't, I don't know the latest numbers, but it, it was pumping out something like 160 million dollars a month Nuts, in profits. It? Yeah. And it's like you know, it's just that you got that degree of disruption, and we've got a genuine opportunity to do what Rod Drury uh, mm. wanted years ago. And he when he said, and I've always loved this line, he said, you know, we should be able to build billion dollar businesses from the beach, mm. Uh, mm. and actually in this country, you actually can. You know, we've built a lot of the infrastructure with the UFB, great government initiative. Uh, we've got um, uh, talented kids um, and 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 uh, some old fogies like us that are retraining <laughs> as well. But it is around creativity and ingenuity, and you can do it here. Um, mm-hmm. How can we ten x that? Should be the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we've done that, how can we ten x it again? Because I think that relying on an economy which is solely around delivering high quality protein won't in itself be enough it's good it's important and we'll be the world leaders in that uh, but actually uh, areas like gaming areas like AI areas like internet of things areas like cybersecurity, security uh, these should be considered export markets for us mm. not just uh, things we can buy and leverage from others agreed agreed now we need a little bit of time to talk Cordia, so let's, oh, no, we don't. It's let's, all fine. let's jump in. Now, I was really uh, pleased last week uh, to get a, an email through saying that um, Cordia was doing a, um, a 4K terrestrial um, broadcast trial, 
And to put that in plain English, it's basically, you know, we're, we're used to our New Zealand broadcasters giving us, uh, well, certainly lower than 4K uh, definition uh, TV, uh, but basically just through, a, you know, an, a, what is now a reasonably sort of run-of-the-mill, you know, a 4K TV uh, with an aerial um, that uh, that can now get a, a 4K broadcast just in trial, but it was pretty uh, pretty pleasing. That was unveiled at the MediaTek uh, Pacific Conference um, last week. So why is why is Cordia doing doing this? I guess you know your your you know one of your businesses is doing radio and TV uh, broadcasting. So a bit of a bit of a demo of what's possible, and and you know hoping for that to become something of the norm here. Yeah, I mean that's it, 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 it's, it's just showing what's possible. Why do it? Because it, what was the same? Because it's there, you know and. Mm. Um, you know, I think that we're starting to see 4K or ultra high definition mm. um, options on things like Netflix and 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 uh, and, and other on demand services. Um, and uh, actually, why not prove that that can still be done um, with traditional linear services, which actually are growing in this country? More New Zealanders. It's it's crazy. You sort of. I was looking at the report this morning. Free to air broadcast television is growing in New Zealand. It's been growing for years. Um, everyone thinks, oh, who watches, who watches you know, uh, linear TV anymore? Well, probably less and less on the pay TV side, but on the free-to-air side, it's accelerating. So, Right, so there's that move of people maybe moving away from pay TV or, or Sky. They're adding Netflix into the mix, but then they don't have that, so they're, they're increasing their, uh, their, their uh, use or they're replacing their Sky use with uh, with some some sort of freeview type uh, type use. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's free is a big help. But I think what we're also seeing is um, uh, people are turning to their binge watching of their Netflix shows or their Lightbox shows from about eight thirty nine o'clock because that's sort of my time. I'm going to go watch my show. But the families are still coming together to watch linear TV during family time because it's actually social, and that's actually keeping up viewership really strong so it's not that one is supplanting the other they're becoming incredibly complementary so what back to 4k what uh you know some of it got some really smart members of the team they're like let's just put out a uh, an ultra high definition test broadcast just to mm. show that this platform has got legs right up there with the latest that you can get online mm. and it looks mm. stunning anyone with an aerial and a 4k tv in auckland can watch it um we put up some interesting uh, content there, some great stuff from Samsung who helped us out. Mm. Uh, so thanks to those guys, and and also from uh, the folks at uh, Blue Ant Media also gave us some great documentaries to put up there. Um, I know that because we had a test channel running in Auckland for years, and it had this animated llama. Yes, and stoners right. stoners loved it. Yeah. Um, it was like really popular <laughs> with that particular part of the community. But um, so sorry, the llama will be back in in four K. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> But uh, uh, it's just it was a, a bit repetitive, I've got to say. The yeah, llama. yeah, no, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's got a bit long in the tooth. But um, you know, we we we're just a company that likes playing with with and pushing the boundaries. You know, this was one of the first four um, uh, K terrestrial transmissions in the world. Not the first, but right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We've uh, we've equipped all of our live um, uh, in the field um, uh, equipment for doing live events to all go four K. Um, it's all quite accessible and dare mm. I say affordable now um, we're doing lots of innovation around internet of things and, and pouring a lot of effort into uh, research and cyber security and why not you know why rely on um, some offshore uh, company from Israel or the states to come up with the innovation why not do it here and uh, there's a bit of a for us, it was a bit of a realisation because we, we sort of were proselytising to others. You know, New Zealand should invest more in R&D. And it's like, oh, dude, what are, what's Cordia doing? Are you guys spending money? Uh, no. <laughs> so for us, it was like, well, actually, uh, let's actually innovate in the areas that we're focused on. Mm. Um, and those three in particular, how we can bring new media technologies um, like 4K, like digital audio broadcasting. Um, what's happening on that digital audio broadcasting Side, uh, yeah, there is some stuff. You had, a, you had a big trial there for a, or a, a trial there for quite a number of years that sort of wrapped up, didn't it? I guess that was, uh, um, uh, yeah, you had to fit within the government's uh, um, 
you know, giving you the, the space they to do that. They were pretty generous. They let us keep the trial going for 10 years, so that's pretty yeah. nice. But, so, you know, the technology's proven. Mm. Uh, cars are coming out with DAB receivers in them now. Um, and it's not something which is going to uh, supplant or, 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 or be any competition to, you know, FM or AM. It's just a way to get more stuff out there, you know, and... Uh, there's a long tail of content that would like to be broadcast um, and why not provide options? So, you know, the government have uh, uh, commissioned a study um, to look into this, which is great. Um, so we'll, we'll participate in that as will the rest of the industry. It'd be great to have the whole industry stand together on this one. Um, not impossible. And, um, you know, who knows? There could be something out there. And it'd be great for, um, you know, uh, the odd tech uh, 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 live broadcast maybe you could get onto that Paul but you know there's a lot of interest groups around whether it's religious or ethnic um, who don't have the infrastructure or the money to go and buy an FM license and and then pay me the money I charge to transmit it from a tower um, with DAB it changes the game quite a lot and it won't be for mass market but it'll be, mm. it'll be niche and it'll have its place mm. I, I believe it'll come yeah, no, it's that's interesting. You know, I guess my my feeling on it is that the you know, IP is getting you know, internet based, uh, you know, communications are getting easier and easier. So you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm certainly curious about it, but I, I kind of think that that side will become, um, you know, a, a more common mechanism maybe but i agree um, you know uh, these things take time and look you're right a lot of vehicles have got uh you know dab you know uh, receivers in them and there are you know been varying other ones sort of on the market that are that are pretty low cost so there 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 i guess is a school of thought that says well we can do it what why wouldn't we and i guess from your perspective um, you're in that business, so uh, well, you just you sort know. of think, you know, geez, if there's a, I don't know what the numbers are in New Zealand, but um, if you look in Australia, uh, you've got a nearly a third of the vehicle fleet over there have got DAB in them, mm. um, and if that's what people want to use, just turn it on. You know, mm. it's not going to change the world. It's not going to stand in the way of um, uh, people consuming, uh, you know, uh, internet delivered radio in their vehicles or anything else. I've got. Uh, tune in in my car actually and it's mm. great but uh, it's just going to be like everything in the tech world no, there's no one thing to rule them all you know it's, it's always just a mixture of what people want and mm. that changes in time but there is a place for DAB um, so why not do it good good um, anything else you'd like to add before we, uh, we, we wrap up because there's obviously a lot of things that have been going on in the Cordia world Oh yeah, I mean, I think the. I mean, we talked a lot about cyber. That's a big focus for us. Um, I think the other one we're really, uh, you know, all excited about is, is Internet of Things. Um, it's sort of been a buzzword, and sort of go, oh, is that just sensors out there to measure heat and stuff? Yeah, I guess so. But actually, it's becoming real now. You know, we we worked with Spark to uh, roll out and rolling out um, a nationwide. Um, uh, Internet of Things network, and so that's live now. You people can buy services on that for everything from a, a GPS tracker um, through to a temperature and humidity sensor. Um, uh, we're using it for pest control. You name it; it's really choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, also worked with the the the, the Thin Extra um, team who rolled out another nationwide network. And um, you know, we're going to live in this connected society. You know, everything's going to have a sensor on it. Um, there's going to be information everywhere. Um, again, there's no one network which is going to dominate. It's going to be a mixture of things. And we're just really focused a lot on how we can help Kiwi businesses use this, from agriculture through to industrial applications. Mm. Um, it can save money, improve productivity, and deliver a better experience. Yeah, and you know, I guess the, the uh, Internet of Things or IoT networks allow us to connect things that in the past just wouldn't have been practical. Whether it was the you know the amount of uh, you know power required to you know connect them up to cellular networks, or you know what it might cost to put a SIM card and, and so on into something, um, because they're they're designed for this this mass. And you know, we've heard about the the world where we're going to have 
you know, billions, billions and billions, you know, yeah. one of the graphs I was looking at, and this was a few years ago, was talking about when we would hit, you know, 15 billion connected uh, devices in the world. And, uh, you know, I think we're, you know, racing, racing along at a pretty rapid pace. So, um, yeah, look, it's, um, it's a really, you know, key part of uh, the infrastructure, I think, for, uh, for New Zealand and, you know, for, for any nation to have, uh, you know, these varying forms of connectivity. And what, what makes uh, Internet of Things accessible is um, it's sort of its whole premise is it needs to be super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, instead of paying X, you know, tens of dollars per month for a connection, you're talking like 10, maybe $10 a year for the connection, for the data. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, and the batteries have to last a really long time because they're really small. You want to put them in funny places and they've just got to work. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to worry about them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're seeing you know, devices now with battery life of 10 years. The device only costs maybe three or four US dollars. So if after 10 years, um, it's, it's almost not worth sending someone out to replace the battery. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a bit wasteful, but... It, it's got to be in that order of a economic step change, and that's now real today. Like we're doing that in New Zealand now, um, with tracking everything from beehives to containers through to um, water meters. Um, What's the coolest sort of IoT use that you've you've seen? Oh, it depends who you ask. I mean, I I uh, I would. I'm still waiting for the. Um, we are getting one a, uh, a a collar for my dog, so I can track him in real time. Yep, but um, yep. Uh, no, no, I think, you know, one project that we're really excited about, and it sort of came up a lot during the election, was, you know, how can we make New Zealand's rivers um, cleaner and safer to swim in? And then the government had like a long-term plan. And and uh, one of the projects that one of our partners has been working on that we're helping them with is, wouldn't it be cool if you had a sensor monitoring every river in New Zealand, you know, I think there's 138,000 kilometres of rivers and streams in New Zealand. If you get a real-time picture of water quality, you'd know exactly how to deal with the problem Mm. um, at a local level. Um, You'd be able to detect um, effluent runoff. You'd be able to detect um, changes in pH and other sort of issues in the water in real time and have almost like a heat map you know oh that's yeah. red go let's go look at that address it immediately um, yeah and and that would allow us to direct effort and money into solving sort of you know that uh, uh, 20% of the of the issue which is creating 80% of the problem mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's a project I, I'm pretty excited about and the other one is uh, how we can help um, uh, track and monitor kiwi populations in the wild um, and no, it's not putting a, uh, a, a, a IoT sensor embedded into every Kiwi. Um, <laughs> it's putting sensors out in the field that are monitoring, um, uh, you know, local stoat and Kiwi populations and, and detecting them with sensors on the ground. So you can sort of build up a picture about their habitats. Because actually there's a lot we don't know about Kiwi habitats. Mm. And uh, th- that would help us get a much better picture and thereby how we can help save them. That's cool. Mm. That's really good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, if people wanting to track you down, where do they where do they look to keep in touch with with Orcon? And uh, are you on Twitter and so on the, the, these days? I'm on Twitter. I'm such a lurker. I'm, I'm like I'm not even that 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 uh, that active. And when I am, it's gibberish and nonsense. But that's at Scott Cordia, K O R D I A. Um, uh, you can track me down on LinkedIn if you like. I barely look at it. I'm looking at it now, and I've got like lots of messages that are unread. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, Twitter's probably the best place. I, I do yeah. tend to lurk there uh, every day. So yeah, 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 no, all good. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, we'll be back again. Thanks everyone for listening in. We'll be back again with uh, with a new episode uh, next week. And uh, look, we're we're going to keep going with sort of yeah, a fair variety of guests coming up over the uh, over the next few weeks ahead. And that's it. That's episode four hundred. Maybe we'll celebrate when we get to five hundred. Uh, Yeah, that's us. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.